This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. In the world of performers, there are some who have a natural resilience to life. Being a performer is a very hard business, not just from the musical discipline required, but about living, managing to stay afloat with the challenges of the world, family, travel, and the simple accidents of life that can happen along the way. I have known a handful in my life who, like the phoenix, can rise from the ashes of what many would consider to be the end of their career. They have the tenacity and sense of wonder that lifts their strength to battle any kind of adversity and triumph. Such is the case with my guest today, Shunzo Ono, professional musician and trumpet player. Mr. Ono is a man who has risen not once but twice from the ashes to continue his life as a majorly recognized trumpeter, collaborating with the jazz legends of Art Blakey and the jazz messengers, Wayne Shorter, Herbie Hancock, and arranger and composer Gil Evans. With Shunzo Ono's release of his 18th album recording entitled Runner, which we have just heard, and his work as a sideman in over 30 additional recordings, he remains one of the most versatile trumpeters in modern jazz. His life is the subject of three biographies and two documentary films. The documentary short, Never Defeated, The Shunzo Ono Story, is narrated by his good friend and jazz collaborator, Buster Williams. I take pleasure in speaking with Shunzo Ono today and hearing about his tireless work, his philanthropic music-making for those in peril, and how he thrives while rising like the phoenix. Welcome, Shunzo Ono, to Center Stage. I am thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for having me here. It is my great honor to with the Pamela. Uh, it is my honor to speak to a man who has worked with the likes of Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter. I mean, that's just to name a few, Shinzo. But tell me this, did you ever imagine that as a child in Japan, that you would end up in America becoming a jazz legend yourself? Uh, I never really thought that I'll become jazz legend. Still, I'm not thinking <laughs> <laughs> legend, but I still uh, keep moving forward to uh, try to uh, accomplish and not really accomplish, but uh, try to be a better musician, better human being. So uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and you have done that with your music, haven't you? Well, yeah, this is actually uh, again for the ongoing uh, story of process. So on the, this moment of process, what that permanent process, I just. Uh, uh, expressed what I have at that, that moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, wonderful. So tell me this, I believe it was Art Blakey who heard you play in Japan, and he actually invited you to come in and sit in with him when he was missing a trumpet player. Is that true? Yes, uh, in the Japan, that was in 1973. Wow, what an honor. Yes. And... Uh, and after that, he invited you to come back to the United States. And was that like an open invitation to come and play with him? Well, uh, that is the only person I knew in New York. So I came to New York, and the first thing was uh, I uh, visited his apartment. And mm-hmm. that was the uh, uh, first uh, time, I mean, the second time I met Art Blakey. And then life started from and on to living in New York. 
And was New York welcoming to you, Shinzo Ono? Was it was it an easy life for a youngster like yourself from Japan? Well, no, I didn't really think any of the difficulty or any of those uh, aspects. I just uh, lived day to day or uh, just moment to moment, and then just the time passed by up until now for 45 years. <laughs> years, yeah. That is no small feat, Shinzo. I mean, you've played with some of the best in New York City, and, and you've toured with some of the best. Um, when did you have that moment where you knew that music making was going to be your, your, your life work, but, you know, when you got to New York? Well, um, by a great accident, though, I was uh, able to end up playing with Art Blakey and then he invited me to New York and then after I came to New York to play with Art Blakey in different places and then um, a lot of musicians came by and then they gave me a phone number and sort of things. So that kind of way to just uh, my life just developed in a good or bad way or <laughs> any. It's like any youngster that comes to the big city, you know, and they're trying to make it in the musical world. It's not always easy, is it? Right. Uh, I was, uh, I felt like a very fortunate in one way that uh, because I started playing Art Blakey and then that was a really great opportunity for people really looking up to the, every time I want to play with, for example, with Art Blakey and a lot of uh, musicians is coming to see the show and then after the show, then, you know, so I was uh, able to make a lot of different contacts and phone numbers. So, that way, then I, I think my career is opened up with uh, many different great musicians. That's so fantastic, Shinzo. So, from what I understand, you're actually pretty much a self-taught musician in the early days. Yes. And was there anything that that brought you into the music world? <laughs> I mean, was there any kind of inspiring moment that you thought, "Oh, I've got to play the trumpet." Um. When I was uh, in elementary school in Japan, uh, the educational department of the uh, in Japan government, uh, they recommend a few movies for each school kid to come going to see the movie, uh, to, to watch at the movie theater. So one of the movie was actually one of the movies was actually Musashi too, the story of the mm-hmm. uh, Miyamoto Musashi. But the other one was a boy with a trumpet. That's the story. And this boy living in the mountains. And, 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 and so she has a brother and sister. About one, uh, his little sister or brother got really heavy sick. There's no doctor. So, so this boy was playing trumpet. And then I got really help uh, my brother with the hospital. And then he remembered, oh, yeah, trained to, uh, every, every day. That's a train, you know coming out of the tunnel to go into the next town. So he uh, stood up on a railroad uh, right uh, in front of the uh, end of the tunnel. And then uh, he just waited. Then he started playing the trumpet. And the train just uh, came out from the tunnel. Then it stopped right over. Then he asked, me, would you please take my uh, you know, a brother to the doctor? So that was, uh, I was so impressed with that uh-huh. story. And that somehow it also kept uh, image of those being uh, stuck in my mind. And uh, when I went to the uh, middle school, and there is a, a brass band, uh, the wind instrument uh, club, 
So I wanted to join to pick my first trumpet in a club. That was how I started. Very good. I would have thought the Glenn Miller story would have been in there somewhere as an inspiration for you. Oh, yes, definitely. So up until then, I didn't know much about the jazz or those things. And then was, but the first instrument I was playing, trumpet uh, seat was not open. But I, the only instrument I was available was the euphonium, uh-huh. the small side of the tuba. And the next one is the trombone. It was open up and then, okay, so the trombone. So that one, I have to move to the trombone. Mm-hmm. My middle school and the high school, I just kept uh, you know playing trombone. So at that time, the Glenn uh, Miller, uh, uh, yeah, uh, she movie just came out in those days. So I just wanted to see him, you know, that movie. The also so attracted and so great Louis Armstrong, Benny Goodman. Oh yeah, a lot of people. So then I was very fascinated with the jazz music. By then, I went. I actually, I went to see that movie like six or seven times. <laughs> <laughs> As we do when we're really inspired. And hey, you know, Louis Armstrong, nothing wrong with that. Wow. Uh, are, you, are you a Miles Davis fan as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, I live in the real countryside of Japan. So, uh, and I somehow, uh, in a cabaret in my small city of uh, the name called Gifu, and we had a cabaret. So I started going, I met some musicians, and I started visiting those cabarets when I was in high school. And then I was uh, introduced to the Mars Davis or Freddie Hubbard or those jazz greats. And I was really attracted to Mars Davis, uh, his name. But I went to the record store, and the one song that Mars Davis would play, the Autumn Leaves, so I got asked the record stores guy, can I hear buy the record of the Miles Davis and Autumn Leaves? And then, okay, so can I just hear it first before I purchase? And he plays it, and then I was listening. But I never heard like, uh, Autumn Leaves. Yeah, beautiful song. I never heard that, I never heard that music. He, was, he started mm. playing the third. Yeah. So the so abstract. Yeah, I yeah. Told, uh, then I told owner, I don't think this is all of this. Oh, this is all of this because it's the label <laughs> said all of this. Well, can you listen then and hear it? And he said, Oh yeah, I don't think this is all. That was the your country suburb of the reality how I grew up. I love that. That's Autumn Leaves, all uh, Miles <laughs> Davis. And in a way, when I listen to your playing, we really hear a little bit of that influence with you. I mean, you really have a definitive sound. There, There is an edge to your sound and also a real rhythmic kind of jazzy jab, you know? I, I love yeah. it. Are Were you yeah. trying to hone your s- skills around Miles Davis kind of sound, or were you just going with your own sound? I think uh, those things are... Stuck in somewhere in a big part of, the, of my ear or life because I first um, record I heard of the Miles Davis special Spain. He was so incredible arranged by the Gil Evans mm. their collaboration, and then the other one was the Outbreak and Jazz Messenger. So mm-hmm. Miles Davis, since then, like a wow, what a beautiful sound, incredible. So then I was. Uh, uh, 
there's other kind of blues, like historical album, you know, many records. So uh, I think uh, I never forget. Uh, I was so impressed with myself. Sounds of like uh, when I was at a cancer patient in 1986, and then I couldn't really know music or anything around. Uh, mm. When I was uh, uh, discharged from hospital, and then my wife, she came to pick me up. And then, first thing, so I just on the radio, I heard uh, uh, Miles Davis' uh, one, one song. And then just uh, my tears just came out from my my eyes, you know. So, <laughs> I never forget, but he, his song, a song, has such a great impact. On, uh, to, the, to the heart of the people. How beautiful when you came out of the hospital. In fact, Shinzo Ono, can we, can, can we just talk about this for a minute? Because in my intro, I said you're like the phoenix rising up from the ashes. And you've done it twice. And the first time was after a terrible car accident in 1988. And I can only imagine that you must have been like full throttle right into your New York City you know, uh, um, career and on a high. And suddenly, you're thrown through the windshield in a car accident. And this must have done terrible things to your face and the ability to play the trumpet. Can, can you share that with us? Yes. Um, that was December 24, 1988, uh, Christmas Eve, around wow. 6.30 p.m. And I was uh, going down. To, uh, I was not driving, but I was driving a friend of mine. Uh, the back of the car, and then uh, just the uh, entrance of the Midtown Tunnel, 36th Street, on uh, 2nd Avenue, we're coming down. And the middle of the section, just the car just came in, we're going to the, uh, you know, the Midtown Tunnel, mm-hmm. and then I immediately, I just I, I hit my left side of my face, and then I just unconscious, and I found out myself in a stretch in a hospital, bad view hospital in New York City and the first Avenue. And then um, I guess the first thing is I was very concerned. My, I just touched my left. I didn't really feel anything. And then the, well, the doctor, the emergency uh, treatment, they just uh, put the stitches in my left. And my wife came to the hospital and, oh, my gosh. And she made uh, an appointment with a plastic surgeon in New York mm-hmm. City. So they went to see him. And he said, Oh, Mr. Ono, I don't think you're able to, uh, to, to play trumpet anymore because this doctor was used to be a French horn player in the hospital. Beautiful. And he knew a lot of ambitious and muscles, you know, mm-hmm. in order to play home. So, uh, um, that time, and okay, so, but uh, I think like, uh, I never really uh, took his words and it, 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 mm-hmm. I, I didn't really even think about it. I shouldn't really give up on that. Just uh, my desire to that's a why I just wanted to uh, keep uh, make a sound in my own. Now, of course, a lot of struggle to get depressed. And after the, my all the stitch taking out and everything, and I started uh, practicing my trumpet. I'd have no sound. No, no sound. Yeah, no sound. Didn't feel any in my left. And then I started taking the lesson. First teacher was uh, actually he was a uh, trumpeter at the New York Philharmonic at that time, and, and he gave me a lot of lessons, you know. So uh, that's how I started. Then able to try to get my sound back. 
So, you know, here you are going to a classical musician trying to get your technique back on a technique, really, you had learned yourself. So he was really maybe the most serendipitous person that came into your life at that point. He helped you rebuild. Yeah. Yes, actually, yeah. Uh, one of my uh, Never Give Up, uh, there's a video, uh, mm-hmm. so one of the documentary, uh, he was there or not, but uh, some sections. I will uh, practice my trumpet when after I lost my, you know, list and everything. And then he actually showed this uh, documentary video. And then uh, some trumpet teacher, an actor, he's teaching me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trumpet. The and then he said, oh, that's me. <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. So the road back was hard, but you did it, and you've defied death then and again in 1996 when you were diagnosed with throat cancer. Right. You know, I can only imagine that after the car accident, Shinzo, it was so hard making that comeback for you. I mean, really, I mean, you know, you've defied death, but at the same time, you had to relearn, okay? That's one thing. You stayed with the discipline. but. You know, there must have been moments where you thought, I- I'm never going to be able to embrace my art again. Yeah, many times. Still today, too. <laughs> I mean, many times I uh, felt like, uh, I know, oh, this is not really for me. A lot of time because of uh, so discouraging to once you put your horn in your lips and nothing comes out. And nothing, and practice, yeah. Practice, 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 but it's still not going nowhere. Uh, you know, so, uh, and then, but uh, I was able to shift Myself, like uh, when I practice, like a month or two months later, then uh, some little note was, uh, you know, with air was coming out of my home. Mm-hmm. And then moment I was thinking, like, maybe I should quit. This is not going well. But then looking back, to, oh, this is a little better than uh, two months ago or a month ago. So, you know, okay, so maybe if I you know, stay with it. Well, mm-hmm. another month or two months, it could be, could be better. Mm-hmm. So that kind of shifting of the of the my perspective, of my yes. mind, was yes. so important. Yeah. So it sounds to me like you started to sing, literally, on your trumpet then, when you found your way back. Yeah, I um, mean, you know, this is a great teacher. That, uh, sing, sing in your, whatever you're going to be played, and have the beautiful sounds in your mind, and then... That's going to be set you all the muscles and everything, air and everything is a thing in order to make the image of the sound you have in your mind. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's how we trend. I should that too. every time I want to uh, practice. The first, first thing I try to think while I'm going to play with the tone, whether is those tone is going to be in surfaces appear or not, but still mm-hmm. I, that is the most important part. It is. It's, it's, it's this visualization of your sound, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. And this is, I, I'm, I'm sure you'd say that to all the young people out there right now, you know, who are taking up um, any instrument. It's so important that we have that kind of visualization about our performance. In fact, you know, let, let's go to your music right now. I think we really need to hear um, Shunzo Ono in action. This is a piece called Decepticon, and this is with Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter, and this is Shunzo Ono on trumpet. (laughs) 
So, ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is Shunzo Ono, the wonderful jazz, jazz trumpeter you've just heard. You know, Shunzo, what was it like working with the likes of Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter and Gil Evans and all the rest? Well, uh, before going to the, the segment, actually, uh, that this technical, that recording was actually so significant for me because that was uh, 1989, March 9th, which is uh, um, after the my car Your accident. Your car accident? That was yeah, after the car accident. Yeah, yeah. So 1988, December 24th. And that was uh, like, uh, just about uh, three and a half uh, months after. So Buster Williams, he had a schedule to the his recording in uh, sometime in February. But uh, my wife, she was uh, pregnant on uh, nine months at the, when I was in a car accident. And oh. then, uh, so uh, Buster Williams, I asked actually. I asked him to. Can you just postpone just a few weeks because we're expecting my first daughter is going to coming out in the middle of the February or something month of February. <laughs> okay, so then, but also same time with my really challenged. I was so scared to. Am I going to really have to have a when show those great musicians. Yeah. So really, uh, so much uh, great challenge them. And uh, then those lessons is really uh, helped me a lot. To don't worry, don't think of it. The 1% is maybe less, the rest of your mind and air. You know, so I just kept that in my mind. That, that is say, incredible. Uh, yeah. So that was a recording. <laughs> and then we took uh, like a Lamar's uh, lesson to, the, you know, uh, deliver the birth <laughs> of the, my first children. So, you know, I got two months. You know, every week I was going to uh, uh, take me and uh, my wife taking lessons. But uh, March 9th, uh, still my first daughter never wanted to come out. So I stayed at the hospital for all night. You know, so then, okay, so next morning, March 9th in the morning, uh, my wife, the mom, and dad came to the hospital, and then they replaced all of me to, you know, to taking care of my wife to birth. And then I went to the studio. And then, and then, uh, I actually, particularly, when it will the pain doesn't uh, decept come. And then we had a phone call from <laughs> my wife, uh, to say, yeah, your first uh, child just born, you know. <laughs> How fantastic. So you've had all these, all these births, literally, you know, with you playing again after the car accident. And then, yeah, of course, yeah. with your daughter. How beautiful is this? Oh my yeah. gosh, what uh, a story. March 9th, 1989. <laughs> that is literally fantastic. You have risen above so many obstacles. It's just incredible. It's really yeah, incredible. I mean, it's so incredible that you picked this, particularly for this song, and it was along with this story you were talking about. <laughs> and I did not know the backstory, and I and I just liked it, and I just loved the vibe in the trumpet. It was fantastic. Kudos oh, to you. you. Kudos to you. Yeah. You know, you hold two Grammy Awards for your work with um, Mahito and his salsa band and Live at Sweet Basil. You, and yeah. you also were given the prestigious grand prize at the International Songwriting Competition in 2014 for your song, Musashi, which you, which you um, uh, just uh, referred to. You are the first Japanese songwriter to have won. What a proud moment for you and your country. 
Uh, uh, with Musashi, your uh, uh, international songwriting competition grand prize award-winning piece of music. This is very exciting. I mean, you've really come full circle, haven't you, Shunzo? Yes, uh, I think uh, that was a uh, great moment that I was able to have some recognition. Of not only a uh, uh, player, but just uh, writing music, that kind of thing. Yeah, so, as a composer. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was very, very uh, appreciated to the, uh, that uh, award. So... Um, I don't so, know what else can I say? So you've been validated in so many ways, and but the biggest validation has been the fact that the car crash did not deter you from your playing, and neither did the throat cancer, where you had, you know, several serious operations to rectify that, and you're still going, and you're seventy years old, or I no wait, you're seventy years young, Shunzo Ono. What's That's in store true. now? Just quickly, we're we're just about to wrap this up. What's in store, Shunzo? Um, I'm uh, just uh, writing. Uh, we had a runner that that's my latest yeah. uh, album came out, and uh, along with uh, this uh, one album, runner album, I have a full movement of the epic, the kind of symphonic uh, things. Mm. So uh, I uh, this year my goal is uh, well, I had to really finish my score or the orchestra okay. or, or, or the epic and yeah. the opera. Some orchestra can pick to have to play, but I just had to uh, resolute, uh, you know. Uh, You'll find that resolution. My, yeah, yeah well, resolve myself to what they're going to be. We'll be watching for you, Shunzo Ono. Everyone, yeah. go to shunzoono.com for more information on this fabulous man with the heart of a lion and a performer who speaks volumes through his composing and performances. Please come back and join us again, Shunzo. It's been a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You bet. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage.